At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, Nathan, nice to have you back. I'm back from vacation, folks. <laughs> it was too short. Are you rested and relaxed? No. I'm in so much pain. I went to Disneyland with my family yes. in California, and we spent three days going to the parks, and I wasn't physically prepared. And we drove, we walked a total of 23 miles Ooh, in those three days. That's a lot days. of steps. Yeah, it is. That's and I wasn't prepared for that, so <laughs> my legs are still hurt. But it was an amazing adventure, and it was also really, really wet because right now California is underwater. So are you turning into one of those Disney people where every vacation is Disney Park, Disneyland, Disney Cruise? I, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't mind being one of those people, but I can't afford to be one of those people. It's an expensive vacation. It is, but uh, there's something about going to Disneyland where you just kind of check your brain at the gate and you feel like even though it's expensive, you're not going to get, you know, mugs, screwed. Uh, no, it's really safe, uh, even if it's completely, like, drenched, which it was. But not just safe, but, like, you feel like you're spending a lot, but you're getting a lot. There's a lot of value. I, I have no problem with what I spent. We figured we could have paid for a family of four to go to Hawaii for about a week for the same price. And in reality, I think my kids had a lot more fun doing it this way. You went to California. California, yeah, that's right. So I, I, know, to, I know this is going into culture wars, right? Because yeah. Disney is now, at, at, for some reason, at war with conservatives, even though I, I, I can't think of any more conservative company, at least the way it started. So I don't want to go there. Yeah. Let's talk about the things that we'll be talking about in this podcast, yes. which is deal breakers. Yes, things, deal breakers. Things that will keep you from buying a car or a truck. And then if you look at the picture behind us, if you're listening to this on uh, Apple or one of the other podcast platforms, you can't see it, but it's me with a big smile pointing at the Hummer EV right before it broke down. Yeah, that smile, <laughs> it betrays what is about to happen because oh, it wasn't that smile later. It broke down again, Nathan. I know. On I the trail. Oh, it, it gets better. Not only did it break down on the trail, and, and it was kind of horrible, but Roman called us when it was happening, and we were in a meeting here at the office, and Roman was on his own uh, in Moab, and, you know, it was like, I don't want to give it away, but it was pretty awesome when he was complaining, because I am known to be the one in the office who really dislikes the Hummer, and I'm sitting here doing my little 
quiet victory dance as Roman's being tortured on the trail. It was it was a, quite a moment. And I broke every rule of off-roading, right? I didn't <laughs> I didn't have a buddy with me. Right. I was there by myself with nobody else there, so I'm now in the middle of nowhere. I don't think you had gear with you either. I, I had recovery gear oh, in the good. truck. But, uh, you know, when you start thinking about a nine and a half thousand pound truck and how much it would cost to take a wrecker <laughs> into, uh, you know, Hell's Revenge and Fins and Things to get it pulled out of there, I, I just started to wilt. Oh, so we'll talk about we'll, that we will. We'll get there. a little bit later and we'll tell you what happened. Uh, you can watch the video and see what happened over at All TFL. But let's talk about deal breakers, Nathan. Yes. So I've been doing a lot of thinking and I'll tell you what got me started on this. Mm. And this is a stupid deal breaker, but it's a deal breaker. So a deal breaker to me is something in a car that will keep you from buying it no matter how much you love that car. I, so, I, I'm right there with you because there's several cars that I came close to buying that I decided not to because of one or two things. So let's discuss these things. So I'll start with what brought this topic up, and that is we just had the Defender here. Mm, yeah, I love the Defender. Yeah, I do too. Uh, it was the 130, right? It was, yeah, it was a three-row uh, with the... Turbo, super turbo, bigger engine. Bigger engine, the yeah. bigger engine, the six-cylinder. Yeah. So if you were to look at it, it's it's the Defender with the larger butt. Right, and it, it's got the big overhang, which isn't great. Uh, and, um, you know, we had one, and I'm not going to go, if you want to watch those videos, just go to TFL. I think it's on car. Yeah, it's on car, where, where we basically we went through, the, through three of them before we were able to. I think we took put them on off-road as well. Yeah. Some of it. Anyway, um, so we, we bought one and it broke down right away. Then they gave us another one that they couldn't give us because that also broke, not because of anything, something a dealership did. And then we yeah. ended up with a third one. That third we had, one was great. It was great. Yeah, it was great. It was the 110. Mm -hmm. um, and we ended up selling it because a new Bronco came along and we had to take the money out of the Defender and put in the Bronco because we don't keep cars. We roll them over to the next review. one to the yeah. next one and because you guys want it. And speaking of which, mm. uh, if you're listening to this uh, on um, Apple or one of the podcast platforms, this week we are selling, get this, the Bronco finally. Oh, our, I love our, that truck. Yeah, it, that, gonna... that Bronco was been with us for a little while. We put it through a lot of adventures. We did. We did. We took it up Red Cone. Uh, we compared it to a whole bunch of different Jeeps. Mm -hmm. um, good vehicle, first edition, and we're going to sell it over at TFL Bids if you want to go bid on it. And what I decided to do was because when we got the vehicle, uh, we got it as a reservation from somebody who was one of the first people to basically say, I want one. Right. And when, when you do that, when people give us their reservations, then we – in exchange, help support a charity of their choosing. That's correct. And in his case, he worked for McDonald's, so the charity was the Ronald McDonald House. That's right. Uh, and uh, so we did a bunch of shout-outs to that, and then uh, we end up paying, the sticker was 63, and we end up spending 69 on it with tax and everything, and 69 Ooh. and some change. So I thought, you know what? Uh, I looked up the values of first edition Broncos, yeah. Sasquatch package. They're like, uh, if you go to KBB, it's like 71, so it's above sticker. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they're selling, if you have it at a dealership, for about 75. That's no surprise. Yeah, it's no surprise. I mean, you know, big tires, it's got all the bells. It's a first edition, they only right. made 7,500 7, of them. So uh, at some point, you know, when we're old and cranky, these things will be worth a lot more money and I'll be grumpy about selling it. Yeah, well, that's half the trucks we've owned. Yes, exactly. Anyway, anyway, so, uh, you know, because it was a Ronald McDonald charity vehicle, what we're going to do is put it on TFL bids. Uh, the reserve is 69, which mm -hmm. is what we paid for it, uh, which is great. I can't complain, right? We got right. a bunch of video and we're going to, and then anything above that, we're going to give to the Ronald McDonald house here in Denver. That sounds great. So like I said, they're worth about 71. They're going as for 75 at some places. So whatever we get above 69, we're just going to donate to Ronald McDonald house, which is, you know, this charity where parents get to stay when their kids are sick and in a hospital. I can't think of a better charity. It's a fantastic charity. I yeah. actually know somebody who's had, who's worked through them before. 
it is one of the most worthy charities out there, especially for a, a large organization like McDonald's. Very well done. So if you want our first edition Bronco, head on over to TFL Bids and please bid on it. Uh, and we'll be grateful to, to have you come by and meet the team and do a video with you uh, if you end up being the highest bidder for it and, you know, just to make you YouTube famous. So anyway, that's a long way of going to the point that I drove the Defender mm -hmm. and I found why I... Uh, there's, it had a deal breaker in my mind, and this is a stupid deal breaker, but it's a deal breaker. And it's a big butt. No, no, oh. no, no. no. For, it's just all defenders. Doesn't matter. Ninety, one ten, the one thirty. They all have this. Okay. And here's what it is: when I drive, Nathan, I have one foot on the accelerator, mm -hmm. and I take my left foot, and I kind of stick it like the way I'm sitting right now. You see how it is? It's kind of bent, like ninety degrees under the seat. Yeah, you know what you're... I mean? It's kind of it's kind of bent. So you don't use the dead pedal. I sometimes, but most of the time, I have it tucked in under the seat. Okay. Except in the Defender, there's a big hump there. That's right. I remember now because of the, the way that it's designed, it kind of lifts up there. Yeah, there's a hump there. So you yeah. can't put your foot back there. What you'll do is you'll hit this big hump. And every time I go to move my foot there, which you know I do in every car, I hit this hump and it just drives me crazy. I know it's stupid. I know it's probably you know not a big deal, but that is a deal breaker. And it's similar to the deal breaker. I'll give you another one mm -hmm. where if... And I've got this weird body that's got a long torso and short legs. If so, I end up having to put the seat kind of close because my legs are short, but kind of in a weird position. And what that does is sometimes there are cars where your right knee will hit and rub up against the side of the, usually it's like the center console. I have that all the time. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I know that, exactly that, what you're those, talking That's about. another deal breaker. I can't stand that. Well, some consoles are really wide. Yeah. And, or they have like something that juts out, like maybe a cup holder or maybe some component that's like near the gear lever and it pops out a little bit and sometimes it'll hit you in the knee and maybe it's like a doctor's hammer where it hits you in the knee and suddenly it jerks. Okay, that happened to me. Um, I, I know what you're talking about, although I hate to say you're wrong because the Defender is an amazing vehicle, which is also like the poison apple. You really want to eat it, but if you do, you're in trouble. I love the Defender, by the way. Um, I had the same problem with a Nissan Frontier. Hmm. Remember, I, I recently went out and I bought myself a uh, Hyundai Santa Cruz. Yep, a little pickup. It's it's. And I, I'm very happy with it. It's not perfect, but it's 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 fun. Um, but one of the vehicles I was looking at was a bare bones four door Nissan four x four Frontier. Okay, and I forgot that there was one big issue with it. And I sat in one at a dealership. It was only a couple thousand dollars over my thing, so I thought maybe I could you know work some magic. I sat in it, went to adjust the steering wheel, and realized something. There's no telescoping adjustment. Mm. It only rakes up and down. Yeah, sure. And the way I'm built, and we're all weird at TFL. I mean, the only one who's normal is Andre, who sits weird. Um, I can't really sit right with the steering wheel in that position with my legs and everything else. Something's always out of alignment. Uh, we recently had one here at TFL that we were using in some videos. And once again, I was a little out of alignment. There's no telescoping adjustment. And had there been one there, most likely I'd be driving a Nissan right now. You know, you know what um, I'm discovering so far in this conversation? Mm. That we're old because old men love their comfort. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so true. That's why I got the Hyundai over the Ford Maverick because I was more comfortable in it. And my wife's like, yeah, you're really old. It's, yeah, once you, once you pass 50, things start happening. Yeah, it's like, it's like, <sighs> like, like you know, when you're younger, all of the things that you care about, uh, you know, adventure and... Uh, sports cars, uh, falling into a sports car. And yeah, I want to drive that. All, all, you know, ambition. All that takes a second place seat to comfort. <laughs> 
I, I, I do admit that I, I like to be comfortable. And also, I, I, I like to look a little bit better than I used to. I, you know, no, no, I mean, in terms of the car I'm driving, not the way I look. But if a car takes off weight, that's a real plus. And if it makes you look worse, then it's a, a, it's a deal breaker. That, that's another component to it, too. So, like, what would be a car that makes you look, look worse that would be a deal oh, that's, breaker? That, that's really easy. Pretty much anything that's high-end luxury. I don't look right in it. You look I, like like a, like a Bentley if, not even Bentayga. How about you look good in a Bentley Bentayga? No, I would look terrible. A Rolls Royce Cullinan. Come on. No, no, I, I, they think I'm, I'm a Russian hitman or something like that. No, no, <laughs> that's, that's that's the problem. It, it makes the, it puts out the wrong. Even a Lexus. I like Lexus, but I don't look right in a Lexus. I think you look fine in a Lexus. No, no, a no. GX. Come on, GX is forty. I can, I can get away with a GX, right, but not the LX. No way, <laughs> LX. No way. You can get away with that. I can't. <laughs> But it's interesting. There's certain vehicles where you drive. It's like, I really love driving this, but it just I can never own it. Even if you could afford it, that's kind of where I am with a deal breaker as well. But there's another deal breaker I wanted to throw out there. Yeah. It's a huge one. Okay. It's not just comfort. Sound. Mm. There are some vehicles out there that just don't sound right. They're, 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 the exhaust note isn't quite right or whatever. Look. We owned a TRX, one of the best sounding pickup trucks in the world, right? Yeah. We've also owned a couple Corvettes, and they sound really good, right? We also own... Maybe that's why I hate the Hummer, because it makes no sound. It makes no sound. Yes. Yeah, that, that is an issue. But I also own an electric vehicle, and I don't care that it doesn't make a sound. Yeah. But there are some other vehicles out there that make just really terrible noises. All right, give me a, give me a vehicle that you don't like the sound of. I'll give you one I love the sound of. We just had it here, uh -huh. uh, the RS3 Audi. It's funny that you mentioned a that. A five-cylinder turbo. I love the sound but of that. But that, that one sounds really good. Not all five cylinders sound good. And you know what else doesn't sound great? We had a Volvo uh, just recently, that black one. Yeah. And it was the uh, S60. Okay. It didn't sound good. It's a great car. It drives great. It's got a hell of a hybrid powertrain, plug-in hybrid. Doesn't sound good at all. Sounds yeah. terrible to me. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go broader on you. Okay. Broader category. I think any of those two liter turbos are, they tend to sound. Some can get away with it, but most two liter turbos are a little so much. Like, uh, BMW can do turbo sound. Yeah. BMW is really good with that, and the Italians know how to make a turbo sound good. Any turbo sound good. Italians can do it. Yeah, but that's about it. Everybody, that's about it. Everybody else gets it wrong. So let me give you an interesting sound. This, this okay. I just came from this. So this, you know, we've got this old 1987 uh, BMW. It's an M5 looking car. So it's a car they it's a never sold. It. Car, it's a 535i mm -hmm. uh, with kind of the M line, right? So it's got the headlights, the spoiler, and there, yeah, and there's this kid who came by, Tim. Uh, and he was thinking about buying it, but he had wanted to trade. Mm. So guess what car he brought in to trade? Because he works at a BMW shop. I'm not. I guess it's not a Mustang. It was a BMW M5, but the V10. Ooh, a Denon V10. Oh, so it's a beefed up one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and 500 horsepower. Well. You know, but it also, if you watch YouTube, has a reputation of being the worst, most problematic, most expensive car you could buy because not only does it have the SMG, right, which mm. is, I, I just drove it, horrible, just yeah. horrible. Yeah, it's a, a terrible gearbox. Uh, but the engine has all sorts of issues. <laughs> okay. So, um, so, yeah. so um, I drove it, uh, and I, I, we have driven SMG BMWs in the past, of yes. course. I think me, between me and you, we've driven every new car over I the last 10 years. So. 
Uh, and I'd forgotten just how bad they were when you're not on it, right? When you're not shifting, it's like, uh, and then it like stumbles and things. And or then, at the light where it rolls back a little bit, but, <laughs> but not like a, a manual. Right, yeah. yeah. So it was just, it was just basically this dual clutch, right? Mm -hmm. Dual clutch BMW's first attempt at like a high performance transmission. And it just went south and wrong in every possible way. Except when you're on the racetrack. Except when you're on the racetrack, then it, you know, it's knocks It's just off. absolutely amazing. Right. But, but you know, uh, in terms of longevity, it's horrible. Mm -hmm. In terms of driving fun, it's horrible. And actually, uh, there's a $5,000 premium for those manual uh, V10 M5s because people want the manual so badly over too. the SMG. Yeah. I would too, in so many ways. But yeah, I could, I could see why you wouldn't want to get the V10, although that would be really cool. You know, we haven't owned a V10 car before, truck. No, but so, so the other problem with it was it was black and the paint was completely shot. I mean, like it had been mm. sitting in the sun for, you know, I mean, it was like uh, somebody took sandpaper and just basically Ooh. rubbed off all the clear coat. And that's expensive to fix. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a $10,000 paint job if you do it right. Yeah. Right? If you do it badly, it's probably 5000 So already you got a, an SMG, you've got an engine that's got all kinds of issues potentially if they haven't been fixed. You've got, you know, bad paint job. And then somebody took, like, they had this beautiful wood, yeah. and they put, like, a fake sticker uh, carbon fiber. Oh, don't say those I know, words. I know. You know how much? That's a deal breaker. That's a, yeah, that's a deal breaker. For, no, it is. It truly is. So putting for, beautiful real wood covered uh, with fake sticker carbon fiber I just, plastic. I, I would just rather plastic at this point. I, you know... There are so many vehicles out there that, uh, you know, have special carbon fiber That was components. now peeling off, of course, so you can see the wood underneath <laughs> Of it. course. Oh, that's just bad. Um, carbon fiber inlays and, and carbon fiber components that are put into vehicles are a huge deal breaker for me. Just looking at them, I can't appreciate that because unless it's a super sports car that really needs that weight savings, 90% of the time it's unnecessary and they put it in there for looks. Does carbon fiber look good to people? I don't think it does. I think, you know, it's like it comes and goes, and I think it's gone, right? It, it, it mm -hmm. had its moment in time when it was cool and yeah. new and fresh, and now it's been done to death. Same with Piano Black, and that's another one that's a deal breaker for me. Yeah, Piano uh, Black is rough. Because, because what happens with Piano Black is it not only shows every fingerprint, but it shows every speck of dust. It does. I, I have piano black in my car. I know. And I actually have a little chamois in my uh, to keep it. Yeah. Yeah, and I just go and I'll just do a quick little wipe down. But it 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 also shows all the fingerprints. And we live in Colorado. As such, you open the door to your vehicle, and lots of goo comes in. You know, sand and everything else. Pollen. Yeah, and it just it sits there, and it it's, it kind of sucks. Uh, you know what I love and I miss? What a nice mixture of wood and metal. Like yeah. Wood and aluminum always wins in my book. And it doesn't have to be crazy. And it could be even fake in some cases. New fake woods look really good. But I just hate the carbon fiber look. So um, another deal breaker for me, black. Black. It's specific oh, to black me. Heart. Black heart. So for, for, for the well, for what we do, it for, sucks. For what we do, it sucks because black is uh, bad at... Um, Everything in terms of video production, it, well, hi it, it, it hides the shape of the car. That, well, that's what we're talking about is video production. Right. Right? It has nothing to do with the color of the car. So it, it sucks up all the color. All the it light. It sucks up all the light. And you can't see the lines of the car when we're showing you guys the video. It just looks like a giant black donut going down the road. That's the problem. And then if it's very shiny, it reflects. It's like a mirror. So if mm -hmm. you have a videographer, then you're looking at not the car, but the reflection of the videographer. But personally, Nathan, when I was in Prague, I had an M3. Uh, and I didn't want black, but, uh, but this is the first generation of M3. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, it was either, at that point, the dealer was like, well, you can get the car yellow, which was like, oh, that's really yellow. Mm. Uh, and I had just had a red car, and so I picked the black car, and that was a car that I rolled into a tree and almost killed myself. So yeah. to me, death 
is the but that's part a, that I associate with black. Right. And, and I can understand that's a personal thing. And we all have pers- Like For instance, I've had a lot of red cars. I don't like red. Fair. I don't like red on cars. Although, ironically, my favorite car that I've ever owned was a red car. That was a Fiat 124. We talked about that recently. And it looked amazing. Uh, but I saw somebody once paint one fly yellow. Never owned a yellow car. And it looked so good. Anyway, the point is, is that we all have our deal breakers out there. But there are a couple things with new vehicles that are becoming a real issue. All right. Let's go for it. All right. So here's one of them. Tech, and we've done this before in podcasts. Yeah, I'm, some tech really is a well, big deal breaker for me. And for me, Tesla has reached that point. Everything controlled by the screen, and that includes Tesla and Rivian, deal breaker. Uh, you know, I, I when one second maybe it comes down to comfort, right? Mm. But when I want to go to the HVAC controls, or I want to tune down, turn, tune up, or turn down the radio, or if I want to do three things at once, which I you know used to be able to do, and you can't do it because you got to cycle through you know the all screen. the screens and go one to the other. Yeah, it just it's frustrating, and what ends up happening is you end up spending more time trying to figure out uh, you know the tech in the car than you do trying to figure out you know how to drive it. And Nathan, I, I figured something out, mm. uh, and I, I, I want to run this by you. Yeah, please. Uh, because uh, I think this is interesting. But before I do that, let's just hear a quick word uh, from the advertiser. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, so here's what I figured out. Um, I have figured out that uh, the reason there are so many Tesla loyalists, right, and there are so many Tesla fanboys out there is because these are basically tech, um, tech people, women and men, right, who really enjoy technology. And to them, the car isn't what it is to us, right? To us, it's a it's a mechanical thing. It's about, you know, speed and adrenaline and Handling performance, performance yeah. and, you know, uh, all the off-roadiness and all the cool things that we associate with cars and trucks. Sure. To these people, the, the, the joy they get is about the technology. So it, it's all about, you know, creating a new technology and a new paradigm for what a car could be. And that's exciting to them. To me, it means the death of cars. To them, it's the new frontier of cars. 
it's so interesting that you say that. Now, I normally would love to disagree with you, but I actually agree with you to the extent that I have a cousin. He actually has the same first name as me, Nathan. He's a, an attorney in Los Angeles. He's one of those guys who was the first one to buy an iPhone. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he loved the tech. Right. He was totally into that. He was one of the first people to jump on when the uh, Model S came out. And I think he has like a, he's bought his third Model S now. And he absolutely loves it. Why? Because he adores the tech of the vehicle. And he is a super Tesla fan. He and I just had an argument about my deal breaker with Tesla. I, I love Teslas for the performance numbers. I do. But... I can't stand the yoke. The yoke to me is a joke. And actually Tesla reluctantly is starting to do steering wheels again. That's a different story. I actually think they went. They, I hate the yoke. They, they actually did more than that. Now you got to like specify the yoke as opposed to, uh, it used to, right, the Model S and the Model X used to come with a steering wheel and then the next newest version of it came with a yoke and now they've gone back to the steering wheel, but if you want the yoke, you have to specify it. I thought it was the other way around. I thought you got the yoke, but if you wanted no, the steering wheel. No, they changed it. They they, they, okay, yeah. they restarted I think it. that's about as close to Tesla admitting they made a mistake as <laughs> you're going to get. You're never going to actually get them to send me a Copa. But the point is, is that I agree with you that tech people love that car, and a lot of tech people love the Rivian as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's that's the similar type of thing. Although I will say with Rivian, they're they're one step closer to being car people because they they want a truck and they got a truck, so they're kind of they understand a little bit more of like why maybe truck people aren't too much into electricity, and they still say, hey, I got something that can prove you wrong. At least they try to. The point is, is that I agree with you. Tech people love electric cars. Tesla is a good example of that. And that's why, like, I was reading a story about a guy who, you know, was using either autopilot or full self-driving, and the thing basically ran into a parked police car. And he bought three other Teslas since then because he loves the idea of being in the forefront of this new technology and then getting the newest, you know, helping basically create autonomy, right? Which is mm. what, you know, full self-driving, and I'm going to use the word beta is, right? Because yeah. that's what they're doing, right? They're creating this user-sourced, uh, crowd-sourced AI program. Uh, and, and they're really excited by that. And to me, that that is the antithesis of what, I think a car should be. And that this is going to be a problem that we're also seeing reflected, I think, between conservatives and um, liberals when it comes to actually electrification, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think they're a little bit misplaced in their um, hatred of electric cars because they're focusing on the wrong thing, I believe, right? They're mm -hmm. focusing on the fact that they're electric versus the fact that they're going to stop being able to be driven, <laughs> right? If you right. love cars and you want just that ultimate pod, let's, let's now we're talking about full mobility. This is what is coming down the road with all these tech people, right? I, I think to a lot of the tech people, it's the idea of the technology and the shape and the speed and the color of the car or truck don't matter. Right. They want to be able to push a button and have it take them to wherever they want to go. And I totally get that. They're totally in the world of, you know, Heinlein, Asimov. I want to go wherever this vehicle is going to be able to take me as safely as possible. And I, and I could play video games or I could code, yeah. right? Or, or, you know, have an amorous moment, you know, as I'm going through traffic, sure. which is pretty cool if you think virtually. about it. Virtually. Well, forget the virtual. Like, well, yeah, no, I guess. Yeah, virtually. Yeah, virtually, yeah, I guess. It's, it's the new world. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and you know, you know what was terrifying? Mm. Uh, I was just at CES with Andre, right? And this this really scared me. Uh, BMW unveiled the next generation of cars. Yeah. And the front of the screen is basically all um, 
just uh, virtual. So, yeah. so you, you can like see the world through a camera and then that's projected on the front of the screen. Right. And what is that saying about the direction that BMW is heading? There was nothing about number of cylinders, size of turbocharger, uh, horsepower. It was all about let's create this vehicle where you don't have to look out the window <laughs> because you could play video games while you're being driven. And that to me is terrifying as, a, as somebody who loves driving. Well, uh, that's a deal breaker as well, I suppose. I see. I, I have a different point of view, but perhaps because I've been dropped in my head a lot. Okay. Um, so um, I personally see electric vehicles as a plus and minus. Uh, the plus is they can be a lot of fun. Yeah. They can actually be a lot of fun. They're very very fast, and if you drive them the right way and you're in the right environment, you can actually save a lot of dough. The other side of it is. They can be terribly boring, and they could point to a future that is, you know, controlled by Big Brother. I don't care about any of that. I care about a car. I like cars. So if it provides something that's fun for me, fun, that's the word. I don't care about what side it sits on. I don't care about what politics are going to throw at it. If the car is fun, then it's a good car. I don't care if it's a Tesla. I don't care if it's a Nissan Leaf. And I don't care if it's an old Buick. If it's fun, it's fun. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I have no political, you know, uh, horse in this race because I think both sides are screwed. I think Nathan's side's the best. Have fun with the vehicle, then it's a good vehicle. All there right. it is. All right, I'm going to give you another category of deal breakers before we talk about the Hummer. Yes, and what please. Uh, I, I call this category, it could be posers or fake, but I hate anything that is non-functional that looks like it is functional. And it goes both ways. So it could be a giant hood scoop that doesn't work, right? It's there just for decoration. Or it could be like the Tundra where it should have recovery hooks, but it doesn't. Uh -huh. Stuff like so uh, yes. Both of those could be, depending on how egregious they are, deal breakers for me. You know, uh, I think that actually, I think with the Tundra and the lack of tow hooks, especially after what happened to me with the Hummer, so that's a way of kind of segueing into the Hummer, mm -hmm. uh, you know, might be a deal breaker because because that, you know, should be the ultimate off-road truck for Toyota, the TRD Pro, and how you could not have recovery hooks. Oh, is, I agree. Is, is, and, I, and I don't want to hammer that into the ground. Because, done and, but well, but those are a, deal breakers. Yeah, I agree. And this is a car conversation, so it doesn't really sit well, but... I agree with it 100%. It's something that people have been yelling at me like, oh, you really harbor on one point. Well, it's a point. But there's something else. Yeah, what's that? Remember I was talking about carbon fiber? Yeah. Well, that's fake as hell because, as I said, 90% of the vehicles out there, when they slap it on their hood, that's a poser. Dude, if you own a Dodge Challenger, SRT, whatever it may be, and you have a carbon fiber hood, and you think that's going to make your car any faster... Wrong. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. It's not. All it's going to do is make you look like a poser to Roman. He doesn't like you anymore because you just put that carbon fiber hood scoop on top of your well, it car. Well, looks, it looks like, uh, you know, high school racer, right? Yeah. And when you get to a certain age... We're going to call you Toretto. When you get to a certain age, you, you understand why you do that because, you know, money is tight when you're in that, <laughs> right? So to do the real thing gets expensive. I, I, but, but when I was in high school, just like all my idiot friends, we did stupid things. Like, you know, the early wings and stuff like that would be stapled onto a car or whatever. I get it. A lot of people do that when they're young. But when you see a dude or a gal running around in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and they're slapping on all these extra components onto their vehicle, slamming it to the ground, doing stance, blah, 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 lights underneath it. And, and trying to say, yeah, I'm a racer. No, no, you look like a poser to people who actually are. 
So I agree with Roman on that. And if you are angry about our comments, please send them to Roman. <laughs> info at TFL oh, Car. Yeah, info at TFL Car. Yeah, I'll get that email for sure. No, <laughs> now, thanks. Let, let, let's move on, though, to a vehicle that I do detest and that you like despite what happened. And that is our 2020, is it a 23? 2022. It's a 2022 GMC Hummer that we recently added 37-inch tires to. It looks phenomenal. It really does have more street presence than any other vehicle I've ever been connected to. And despite the fact that it could theoretically be very capable off-road, it hasn't lived quite up to its badging. So I'll give you two examples of what this is to me. So in high school, I had a friend, Fred, and he had a GT6. Uh, mm. And I remember uh, we spent a lot of time fixing that car on the road. And the nice thing about it was it was so light, you could actually pick it up. So you could, like when we got a flat tire, me and um, my friend Chris could lift it up. He could fix the tire without even jacking it up. Yeah. But it was always broken down. And then I had a girlfriend at the time who, when the relationship was good, it was phenomenal. When it wasn't good, it was horrendous. And both of those uh, relationships I would call operatic. Okay. Right? And like an opera, right? That's where that comes from. Like, you sure. know, well, this big, grand, you feel like you're alive, mm. whether you're miserable or whether you're... Early love definitely is something that is just like... And, and that is my relationship with the Hummer EV. It's operatic at this point. You know, it left me stranded when I was coming back from a drag race we did uh, in the middle of the... Uh, no, it was a rainstorm, right? Right. In the middle of pretty bad traffic. Yes. So uh, we decided to um, take it to Moab, and we found that it had issues. And one of those issues was um, both on Red Cone, when we took it up Red Cone and in Moab, it didn't have enough ground clearance because the air suspension after a while just gives up and stops lifting it. So you have like regular ride height. it weighs as much as a small moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have like regular ride height, then you have extended ride height, and then there's a super ride height, which I never gotten it into. But but anyway, you know, you, li- you lift it up and down enough times, it just kind of gets tired and stops lifting it up. And, yeah. then, and, then, and then you got this 9,000 pound thing that can very easily get high centered. So yes. there's an old-fashioned way to fix that, and that is go to 35s. No, go to 37s from 35s. That's so correct. So it comes with 35s, and GMC, uh, smartly enough, once again, now it's becoming great and wonderful, uh, engineered in such a way that you can put 37s on it without any modifications. That is correct, and that's exactly, exactly what, what we, we did. did. We put 37s, we reprogrammed it so you know the, the mileage was right, the fuel economy, well, electricity economy was right, speedometer mm-hmm. was right. And then I took it to Moab to see if it actually sorted out that problem that we had. And? So, <laughs> so I start the video. I'm like, okay, we fixed this. It's doing really, really well. And then I went down this little, like, right before, uh, you know, right before you go down what we call frame bender, there's like that little, like, like it's not very hard, but there's like that little kind of craggly part you go oh, down. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I went down the little craggly part, and all of a sudden, uh, these double warning <laughs> the lights came up. Four-wheel steering. Faulty. (laughs) Drive. Faulty. (laughs) See service immediately. Expect a robot to pop out going, danger, danger, danger. I'm like, back and "Hmm, forth. That's that's not good. That's not good Good. at all. So so I'm like pushing the accelerator and nothing's happening. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm like, maybe I'll put it in park. 
put it back in drive, push the accelerator, nothing happens. It didn't even move? No, oh, completely no. dead, yeah, <laughs> like nothing. And I'm like, maybe if I put it in low, put it in low, push the accelerator, nothing happens. Oh boy. And I'm like, last time this happened, what we had to do was pull the 12 volt battery and reboot the thing, right? Which took an awful lot of work. If you watch the video, which by the way, Fox and some other people picked up and repurposed well, that it, video. It took a lot of work because it's under the frunk. And because the thing had died so completely, the electric frunk stopped working and we didn't know. So you couldn't even open the trunk using an electric disconnect. You had to actually go underneath and find something. Find like a little emergency cable to pop it and then right. we were able to do it. So I was afraid to go pull the battery because now I'm on the trail and I got a nine and a half thousand pound truck that's going to be very hard to get off the trail. So I didn't know, you know, because last time this happened to me, I had a fault and what I did was I cycled it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's IT crowd, right? Have you tried turning it on and off? So... I didn't, I was like, okay, maybe turning it enough will work or maybe it won't work. So turn it on, turn it, turn it off, turn it on. It comes back to life. Both lights are still there, but now I have drive. Oh, but, good. but I don't have four wheel steering, which I can live without. Okay. But I also don't have rear wheel, uh, front wheel drive anymore. So now it's rear wheel drive. Ah, uh, so the Hummer has three motors, one in the front for the front wheels, and then two in the back for the rear wheels. Now you are down to only two motors. On the rear wheels. On yeah. the rear wheels. And now I'm going down frame bender, which is fine, but now what's after frame bender? One tree hill. Right, and there's no way to get a really around this stuff because you once go, you're on this trail. You can't go backwards. It's right. A, it's a one-way one trail. It really is a one-way trail. Well, and you can, but it would be. It would, it would be more hazardous to actually go back than it would to, be go, right, yeah. to go forward. So you had to go up one tree hill. That's where you call this. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh, the so panic like, in his I'm voice like, was just delicious. I'm like, how do I get you know up one tree hill in what is essentially rear wheel drive. So, I, I, and then the other thing that happens is it's kind of crooked. And if you start to spin your tires, you start to slowly slide into Towards the tree. Towards the tree. Yeah. <laughs> Towards the tree. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I go up and all of a sudden I look behind me and there's all this smoke coming up behind me. It's just a one wheel. It's completely like roasting itself, right? It's just, <laughs> it's just the tires just spinning, spinning, spinning. I'm like, okay, well, that's not going to work. So I back up. Uh, it's, now it's hard to back up because I got like halfway up and all of a sudden you feel that nine and a half thousand pounds. Yeah, tugging backwards. Back Gravity so, works. So it's not like going like this, but it's going like that. So what I'm doing with my hand, I'm not going backwards. I'm sliding sideways. Yeah, towards the left, towards the tree. Towards the tree. So it's sliding back towards the tree. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, shoot, I mean. Oh, uh, darn. Darn, yeah. And uh, then I'm like, okay, I have a rear locker. Uh, yeah, that's right. So I'm Did like, it engage? Yeah. The no rear, kidding. The rear locker engaged. So wow. I'm like, hey, maybe I can make it up with the rear locker. Nope, same problem. Uh, Go up about halfway. Now both wheels are spinning, doing a burnout, right? Uh, and I'm like, ah. And then I notice that there's like this easier way around, which we never take. But there is, it's, if you go to the right and avoid the tree, you can kind it, of. Uh, but I thought there were steps there, sort of. There are steps. But I used your method, Nathan. Which, oh, power. Yeah, It's just momentum. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I got up and over uh, those steps and then made it up one tree hill. Momentum <laughs> is your friend. Uh, and, and the only reason I did that was because thank you to BFG that gave us. These are uh, their KM3s. Yes. Um, they're mud terrains. And I think the only reason I was able to do that because I had these extremely grippy and very off-road. I think, you know, KM3s are probably some of the most off-road. No denying big, it. Big, 
knobbies, big chunks, right? Yes. So my, my plan was if I, did, I didn't air down because I wanted as much ride height as possible, right? That was the, because you air down, and all of a sudden you, you go to 35s again. Yeah. Um, in terms of so. And plus, you couldn't lift the vehicle any higher anymore. Right. So I, I was like, oh, I could always try, you know, airing down, but I got up with the new uh, BFG cam threes. So, so I was so grateful. One tree hill, didn't you have to go downhill again? But there was it's, from there, it's either flat or downhill. Oh, okay. Okay. And then then it was fine because <laughs> you know I could I could make it out. There were places where I got a little stuck, but I kept you know thinking of you, Nathan. So I kept the momentum up. Momentum is good. And then so now I'm like, okay, there's a massive snowstorm, and I got to drive home in rear wheel drive only. And let's face it, while those are incredible off road tires, they're all seasons, and they're not exactly great snow tires. No, they're not really made for snow. They no. can handle deep snow, but ice and stuff like that, not a great thing. So I'm like, ah, this is going to be tricky. So what what do you do? You go to McDonald's and have breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to McDonald's, had breakfast, came back, powered it up. And before I powered it up, I got this uh, email from uh, GMC saying, your car has a massive fault. <laughs> 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 Reported to us, please visit your dealer immediately. Yeah. The drive unit fault. I'm like, oh, I knew that, but thank you. But then I powered up and everything was fine. I wonder if they sent some sort of code o- over the air or something like that to, to debug it or something like that. Do you think that happened? I just think it was a software fault. I don't think it was a hardware fault. Mm-hmm. I think it just rebooted itself, and that's why it was back to normal. Had I known that, I could have done that on the trail, but I didn't know, right? Because last time I tried that, it the basically thing completely made, th- died. It made things worse. Yes, exactly. So, so I was afraid of you know making things worse. Well, that, especially because you're on the trail. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. And nobody, dude, the, in January, nobody's out there. I am all by myself. That was stupid. I should have had a buddy. I yeah. mean, nobody is. Uh, there was no, no cars, no bikes, no side-by-sides, no people. I was out there all alone. Um. As, as humorous as this is, as I said, it's a funny thing because I really wanted to like the Hummer when it came out because I think it looks amazing. And on paper, it's incredible. But because of its excessive weight, and I know I should be the one talking, right? Um, that's the thing that really hit me. It, it And Roman proved that on the trail, if you take something like this off-road, please have somebody else with you. Because if there's a fault or if you have a problem, you can't extract something like this with another vehicle easily. No, no you can't. Right? No. I mean, you really can't. Even with another Hummer, there, it would be a lot of work for that vehicle to extract something that weighs over 9,000 pounds. So just keep that part in mind. So uh, that brings up kind of my next deal breaker, okay. um, which is, um, and I hate to say this, uh, but it's probably true now. Maybe it has to do with comfort, but I really don't like manuals uh, off-road. If I'm buying an off-road... Fully. I want I want an automatic, uh, and just because um, manuals are really tough. So I'll give you an example of what I mean. Right, I Please was on do. this trail ride with Tommy's old um, uh, JK. Okay, his JK. I remember right, remember that. the JK, right? And there were like thirty Jeeps, and and we would stop at the most awkward places. For I'm sure the person in I think front I was with you when we did this. No, this was no, you weren't there. It was just me at that point. Oh, okay. This was with Best Top, so I'm sure the first person stopped at a good place. But you know, me, I'm like, let's say I'm at a ledge, mm-hmm. and we stop, and now I've got no momentum, and now I got to burn the clutch to be able to bump it up and over the ledge. And I I just find manuals really. Uh, finicky and easily um, easily burnt, basically, uh, on, on off-road. And I love manuals. Don't get me wrong. On-road, I would take a manual off all day. But off-road, I like an automatic. And I, I don't, actually don't like the Hummer EV. I think the pedal is way, 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 way too computer-controlled. Like, you have no sense of what the input that you're providing is 
anything that the truck is doing, right? The truck decides what it wants to do, no matter a, where you and how hard you press the pedal. It's a very digital truck in that respect. Yes. That's why I actually give Ford a lot of credit because the Lightning really did feel like kind of like a regular F-150 where if you modulate the accelerator, it felt a lot like just having a gas truck. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot more so than this, at least. Uh, and, and in terms of manuals off-road, well, I can't help the fact that you are sadly old and mistaken. Um, it's just capability-wise. No, but you can still be very capable off-road, but you have to know how to really use that manual transmission off-road. Let me give you an example. Very it, it, hard. It sounds, I, like you're, it sounds like real men drive manuals off-road. Yes, they do. Um, but more importantly... Especially if you have something like a little Suzuki Samurai. You remember my Samurai? I remember, yeah. I oh, remember yeah. Samurai. That thing was badass off-road. You know why? Not just because it had the proper gearing for everything. I could throw it into first gear, slowly ease off the clutch, and let that thing go up the side of a mountain, even only had 70 horsepower, because it was geared properly. You cannot get that type of you know excellent gearing out of an automatic transmission. So let me stop you right there uh, uh, for another word from our advertisers, and we'll be right back. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. All right, so let me ask you this. Given okay, the choice ahead. between an automatic and a manual off-road, which would you take? Well, it depends on the vehicle. Seriously, it does. Because Jeep, let me... Jeep Wrangler. Jeep Wrangler. The Wrangler uh, two-door, Yeah, I would love to do it with a manual because I think that's light that's enough what, that's to work. Yeah, and I think that would be okay. Once you're going up to the uh, four-door or to a Gladiator, too heavy, especially because you have the uh, V6, and that V6 isn't very powerful. So there's not enough torque or power to really make that weight work out with a manual transmission. But with the two-door, if it was a sport or something like Tommy, what Tommy had, the Willys, I think it's an excellent vehicle for off-roading with a manual transmission. All right, here's another one of my deal breakers. Uh, you know, Japanese say, what's the most important part of a car? They say the door handle because it's the first thing you touch. Okay. Whether you agree with that or not, okay, at least yeah. some Japanese, I should say all Japanese, but some Japanese, right? Designers will say that that's your first moment of intimate contact. I, I get that. I, I, right? I understand that. So, so to me, a, a, a thin, crappy plastic steering wheel is a deal breaker. Can't stand them, especially on work trucks. If it feels really plasticky and you can feel the seam where the, you know, where the plastic was molded. molded. Yeah, yep. I, I hate that. I hate I, that. I agree with you. I, it, it's something that I have on my little uh, uh, 
I was about to say Suzuki on my uh, Hyundai, yeah. and I actually had to get a steering wheel cover, which makes me look like an old man. But because I can't stand that the feeling of the hard plastic, because I didn't go to the higher level that had the, the leather wrapped steering wheel, and I agree with you. I can't stand the feel of that plastic. And we live in Colorado, so even when it gets like cold, and that plastic just feels even cheaper because it feels brittle, even though it's not. It just feels it. So I agree with you. Cheap plastic steering wheels do not turn my crank. And it's funny because that's such a inexpensive. It really isn't that expensive, right? For them to, to, do. to have yeah. that, yeah. It's, yeah. it's like it's it's just like there's all this like stupid cost cutting. Uh, another one of these. It's probably not a deal breaker because we bought two vehicles, but bad headlights are. Now that we've had, like Stubby has horrible headlights. Right? It really, Stubby has horrible, horrible headlights. Horrible headlights, yeah. yeah. Where it, like you can't see, you know, what, what is coming at you that's lit up, let alone like any people or animals or cyclists that may be in your God way. God forbid you get hit by insects on the headlights. You won't be able to see anything. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, you know, it's, it, the, the problem with that one as a deal breaker is you don't really know because you don't test, you know, like we didn't, I didn't know that we bought Stubby. And then, of course, we flew to Idaho to Peterson's, thank you guys. You were great for, to pick it up. Yeah. And then, you know, when it turned dark, all of a sudden it was like, Tommy, your lights aren't on. And he's like, yeah, they are. And I'm like, you sure those aren't driving lights? He goes, no, the lights are on. Actually, that is a common issue with Stellantis products. There's a lot of those Jeeps included, if you get the base model ones, where the headlights just don't seem to be powerful enough. So that's, that's my own issue. And you can now go, IHS measures headlight power. And they do I, as part of their as part uh, of their crash, uh, crash testing. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's a good thing because it does matter to be able to see at night. Strange thing, right? Yeah, no. Yeah. no so I agree with that. All right, do you have any others before I get to more of mine? Uh, well, there there are a couple little things. Uh, bad tires. I hate bad tires. Yeah, but those aren't those aren't new. I'm talking about like new things. I know, I know. I know you can't get bad tires as part of the OEM. Package. Some cars do have cheap tires. But yeah, some of them are really crappy, though. Some of them are really crappy. But I'll go one step further. Forget the tires. Okay. Um, there are a lot of car companies out there that, for no other reason than just trying to make you suffer, put in crap stereos, crap infotainment systems. It's not necessary anymore. And this isn't going. I'm not going to go into the buttons so, or. Some have, people would say that lack of like uh, Android Auto or Apple CarPlay. There's no reason for that anymore. There are really inexpensive vehicles that do it standard, and now a lot of vehicles are doing wireless Apple CarPlay and all that. And because the tech is so out there, it's so you know prevalent in society, there are so many being made, there's no reason for them to be higher-priced components. Mitsubishi's base model vehicles have them as standard now. I'll, I'll give you a deal breaker that happened to me yesterday. Okay. So I'm driving back from Moab, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and we used to own three Teslas, and this is where Tesla gets a lot of credit, right? If you want to cross country a Tesla, it's uh, a lot easier than it's a, a lot. So you, you, what you do is you program in your destination, mm -hmm. and it knows because millions of other people crowdsourced have driven the same way, so it exactly. knows where to stop. And the, 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 the superchargers are usually in nice locations with like Starbucks or malls or something, not Walmart's or Sam's Clubs, but actual malls with right. coffee shops and you know stuff you want to stop at, not stuff you have to stop at. N not that Sam's Club and Walmart is bad. I just don't want to stop there when I'm cross country driving, right? Fifty times. Yeah. So so. So, so um, you you program it in, and then it like tells you for how long, and then it's smart because it knows that like, you don't have to spend a half hour charging the thing. You put mm -hmm. 15 minutes here, and it knows how many stalls are available. So if they're if they're full, it takes you to the next one. Yep. It knows how much power those superchargers are putting out, so it knows exactly how long you're going to spend and, there. And they've been really reliable too by comparison. The, the, then the app, right, yep. will tell you exactly how much power. 
uh, is is going into the truck and you know how much it's costing you if you are paying for it. Mm -hmm. It's just seamless and it's wonderful. And the only critical thing I can say about it is. Uh, Musk promised to open that up to all cars like a year and a half ago, and it hasn't happened. Yeah, no soup for you. Yeah, no soup for you. So that's once again, this is a problem that Tesla has, where where Mr. Musk makes a lot of promises. Cybertruck that never uh, convertible, <laughs> that, that, that never, <laughs> that, yeah, that are delayed Roadster, for so right? many reasons. Right, that never happened. So anyway. Um, a deal breaker for me, I figured out yesterday, was trying to cross country the GMC. So first problem, right? Um, I punch in where I'm going, which mm -hmm. is you know Moab to Boulder, yeah. uh, and it tells me you want to stop here, you want to stop here, and you want to stop here. And, and this is using their new. Um, it uses Google, so it's using Google to figure that out, right? Okay. All right. So first, it doesn't know. It has no idea. Like it, how many stalls are there? Or it knows how many stalls are there, but it doesn't know how how many are being used and how many aren't being used, right? So there's no real time response. Right. There's no real time. On. So so the first stop it told me to go to uh, was driving from Moab to Grand Junction, and eight, like eight miles off the highway at a Sam's Club is an Electrify America, mm -hmm. which is you know there's like three levels of chargers, and that's DC fast charging, which is what you want because the yep. Hummer takes in 300 engulfs electricity. One of the best out there. In that 800 volt architecture, mm -hmm. 350 kilowatt. Uh, and I pull up, uh, and there are uh, three cars parked there. There's a Lightning, mm -hmm. which is done charging, which has been sitting there. There's an Ionic, which is charging, uh, and there's a Volkswagen ID, which is charging. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there was another Ionic. So I'm like, oh, well. do I unplug the Hummer? I mean, do I unplug the Lightning? He's done. It says, obviously, it says on the screen, please unplug. Yeah. And as I'm trying to figure that out, one of the Ionic drivers says, I'm done. You can have my space. That's nice of but the But the planning route didn't know that, right? So it sent me to one that was completely booked. So I plug in, uh, and I'm getting, get this, like 340, which is great. That's fantastic. Yeah, 340. Uh, and now I'm the kind of person, because I don't trust it, I'm going to charge as much as I can. Mm -hmm. And right, you only charge 80%. So that leaves me like 30 minutes of charging to get to 80%. And okay. I was like at, I, was, I think I was like at 35%. Okay. Big battery, 250 kilowatt. It takes a long time. So now I'm wandering around Sam's Club, you know, which is fine, but I'm not buying anything, right? Yeah. And then I f figured out that there was a Chick-fil-A across the street, but it was one of these super busy streets that, like, crossing it on foot, not only you put your own life in your hand, but you look like a homeless person, right? Because who in America actually <laughs> crosses, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't cross streets with walking. No. Also for the plebeian. Uh, it's yeah. true, unfortunately, and sad, but true. Uh, so I found, finally found this coffee shop, and they actually had tea, which I drink, so that was great. So then I get in the truck. It's, like, at 70%. I'm already bored. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll just – I'm getting close now. So I put in my next destination, which is Boulder. And now it says you won't have enough power to make it to Boulder. You'll be down by, like, whatever it is, 50%. So do you want to add chargers, right? And I'm mm -hmm. like, yes, I want to add chargers. And so it shows me the chargers that it wants me to stop at, right? Mm -hmm. And it wants me to stop at, uh, what is it, plug and, plug, plug and go, plug and, what's the other one? Not electrify. Plug, plug share? Plug, is it plug share? Or plug, that, that, share. plug share is the app. Uh, so it's something like plug, what's the other, what's the other, um, uh, well, I think. EVgo. EVgo, yeah, EVgo. Okay. So it wants me to stop at EVgo. And I'm like, okay, but I don't think those are level three. But it says, so it says there. Like slow, fast, and super fast. Mm -hmm. And these are fast. So then I go to PlugShare and I look them up. And guess what they are? They are 67 or 60 kilowatt chargers. So it's having me stop. At level two. Basically. Yeah. It's more than, I mean, it's a level three. But it's one step. 60, 60, you know, this is a 
250 kil it's the biggest battery of any ev so it's having me stop at basically what would be equivalent of you know fill not, not with a not not with like a um an eyedropper but let's say a garden hose Right, instead of like a fire hose. Right, so he's just eking out a little bit of electricity. It would take hours for him to get to a certain. So I'm, I'm like, screw that. I know where the next DA is. Mm -hmm. So I put in the next DA, which is a new one, by the way, at uh, in Edward uh, mm -hmm. at this uh, shell station next to a supercharger. Okay. Right? So I'm like, okay, great. So drive there, pull there, and then I go inside the Wendy's, right, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, get myself some food. What are you going to do? Where else are you going to go? And then I'm like sitting there and I noticed that there's like this old dude like walking around the Hummer and I'm wondering what the hell he's up to. So I'm like, well, let's see how much power I have or do I, so I go to the GMC app, right? Mm -hmm. let, let me show you. I go to my GMC app. I, I pop up the app right now. So there's the app uh, and charging status. What, what, what are you seeing there? 58%. Right. But what, what is it? Look, look at this little thing flashing there next to it. It says no. It's no, it not. says right there. The little thing flashing. Right I can't there. see it. Right there. Unspray. Your eyes are bad. Updating. Updating. Yeah, yeah. eyes are terrible. Yeah. So it's it's updating. So oh, that's. So it wasn't even telling you what's going on. It was updating. Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't know. It, I, I sat there for like probably five minutes while it's updating, updating, and I'm like, oh, screw this. So I, I leave my food because I'm not worried about what this old guy is like doing i'm sure he's not gonna do any damage but you know you never know because he's like poking at it and he's like you know like yeah yeah and so i go out there and now i've got my food sitting at wendy's and like tesla would have told you exactly how much power is going into it if it's still plugged in this thing updating updating it doesn't know okay so to encapsulate folks to bring this all together into one piece it's a deal breaker if you if you're selling an ev and you don't have that part of the tech this is the technology guy and you figured out to the point where the app tells you if it's charging or can figure it out, or the app can tell you, or the truck can tell you what the best route is, it's a deal breaker because basically you can't, cross-country becomes just a giant, uh, like like you've got, you've got like Ford, well, you know, you know what happened when we, when we did the Cannonball. Yes, but when we did the Cannonball, we were in an Ionic 5 and we drove that cross-country. The app that works with that is a lot better, I think, than the one that's working with the GMC, but there's a point here. And that is until all automakers can reach that level that currently Tesla's at, they set the bar, it's going to be very difficult to please Roman. Um, but, 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 and I agree with a lot of that. True that. There's no reason why at this point, with enough time that has elapsed, considering all the other automakers that are out there that are playing in the same pool, there's no reason why they can't push more resources into making apps and the system work better. It becomes like 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 the, the car, right? It becomes a, an exercise in orienteering where you have like 13 apps running and you're trying to figure out like, you know, how far the vehicle can go given the speed you're traveling and, you know, where the next supercharger is and is it occupied and does it have 350 kilowatt chargers? It just becomes this horribly that, stressful and stupid thing. That is at the very, that's the one side of it that's very, very negative. The, bonus here is that I still maintain that electric vehicles, you can do it very easily if you take a more uh, holistic approach, which is what I do, which is my car is so old, it doesn't work on an app. So, yeah, but you're not, <laughs> you mean your leaf? I got, yeah, I got okay. 30 kilowatt hour battery, so I'm going Wait, But you're it, never cross countrying that. No, well, the, the closest, I, I went 200 miles in it, that's as far as I went on a long distance drive. 
Uh, and that was a lot of work. So the bottom line here is that we're not up there. Yes, the infrastructure still needs a ton of work. And at this point, I think a lot of us, like Roman, are getting really impatient because we should be there now. We should really be there or really damn close. All right. Now let's get back to uh, deal breakers that non-electric type people might. Yeah, I think we can start uh, winding it yeah, down. Well, I'll give you a couple more. Okay. Uh, headrests that poke you in the back of the head. You know, that it's a funny <laughs> thing because there's some cars that have really... Great adjustability. Oh, those like address? new Mercedes that are like or the pillows? Yes, the oh, pillows. The pillows the, yeah. Oh, my things. God. Oh, and then there are the, the, actually, I have to say this, but I don't know if yours is like this, but the, the, the Santa Cruz that we have has mm. the cloth material, and <laughs> you're going to hate this. Please, I, know what, I know what you're about to say, too. <laughs> when I put my head up against the headrest, it grabs the hair on the back of my head and, like, pulls at it. <laughs> Do you I, have that problem, Nathan? Yeah, you know, funny thing, I really don't. <laughs> Um, what's what's really funny is that I didn't plan that. Sorry. No, no, yeah, of course you didn't. Uh, but it's fine. Um, I, it doesn't bother me too much, obviously for for reasons. Um, but my wife drives the car from time to time. By the way, it's nicknamed the Turtle, partly because of its color. Oh, is this a Leaf or is this Santa Cruz? This is Santa okay, Cruz. Okay, Santa Cruz. Okay. Um, but be, she doesn't adjust the headrest. When I set it high, and so when she sits there, her head is actually in the perfect position where it doesn't bother her. She has you know, long hair and all that. Um, However, when I drive it, I can feel that material in the back of my head, and I just pretend I'm at a masseuse or something like that, and that, that they're soothing my aching head. But honestly, I do get where you're coming at with you know, headrests. Some automakers just don't do them quite right, or they're too intrusive. Yeah, for okay. sure. All right, how about, uh, we were talking about this before, but let's kind of circle back. Do you like when uh, the steering wheel moves the binnacle up and down along with the steering wheel. Like some cars, you know, you're oh, like the whole thing, the whole thing. And there's something in me that just kind of, I don't like that. I know it's practical because it doesn't block your point of view, mm -hmm. but I just, you know, I think the old three Z, the, the Z's had that, right? The old where one, the, yeah. Where the binnacle sat on top of the steering old wheel. Old Subarus did too. Yeah. And it would move. And I just, I just, there's something, I don't, I can't put my finger on it, but it just, it's weird. Well, for you, it's orientation, perhaps that, that everything changes. And so no, the windshield versus the binnacle and everything else changes, yeah. and you're suddenly looking through a very different thing. For me, it's awesome because it's like a fighter pilot thing. It's like, oh, yes. Now I get to see all the gauges. Oh, I never look at it anyway, to be honest with you. But um, that I totally get why that can be an issue. I love being able to move all these components at the same time. So personally speaking, I like it. But I can't think of any modern vehicles that do that. Yeah, I think that was like the last one was I think the Z did that. Now, the other one that, that's new that, that does bug me quite a bit, and this is both electric and regular cars, is, of course, uh, now the latest fad is to have glass roofs. I, mm -hmm. hate, I hate when there's no way to shade it or, like, translucent glass that you could electronically make. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you're just, like, in the hottest part of the day and there's nothing you can do to, to make the sun from boiling you on the inside. It's, I it's agree. a big deal. I agree. There has to be a shade of some sort yeah. or you have to be able to dim the, gl the glass. I hate that. I don't like glass roofs that don't open up a little bit. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of them out there. I, I like a, a roof that can open in some way. I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, so uh, this is something that Tesla started, and I don't know if it was because Musk loved the fact that it was minimalist, right? That you didn't mm. have a shade, but how much, how expensive can it be to have a shade? Oh, I don't think it's that expensive nowadays because the tech is already out there, and there's plenty of companies that produce it. I don't think it would be that expensive to do it. Another one that that, that, that is becoming much more uh, important, especially as time goes on, is having enough power in a vehicle. You know, I hate not having like, and you see this in old cars especially, but New cars are getting better at it, but no USBs or new USB-C uh -oh. or no power whatsoever because that's become, you know, 
unfortunately, like for us now, the car is our office in some ways, and, and having that ability to be able to charge things and multiple things is very important. Yeah, but I can't really think of any cars off the top of my head that don't have USB or USB-Cs in them. Yeah, I was surprised. Even Stubby, which was the cheapest. Yeah, it has you know, a couple things. has a couple things. So they're, they're getting better at it. But if you really want to get granular, it depends how much power they're putting out. And some of them don't put out. <laughs> that, that's true. And another thing is I was, that actually. I was, I was in the previous generation Tundra. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was trying to upload a video for my phone. And actually, the phone was using more power to upload the video than the charger that was plugged into the truck was providing. <laughs> that sounds about right. That I actually do get annoyed when there's only USB-C, and I think Volkswagen was doing that, or one of the Germans was doing that. I like I like the old USB because I got a million of those, and not having that option really ticks me off personally. All right, let's end on two popular ones uh, yeah. that have become uh, very controversial, and that is deleting or not having a volume and a tuning knob. Is that a deal breaker for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I can't stand that. Yeah. I can't. There's got to be something that is somewhat manual that I can adjust the volume with. Stroking your finger across the screen <laughs> does not work for me. I know you're going to say, what about steering wheel controls? Yes, you're right. Those work. And that can be great. But even in some cases, steering wheel controls are sort of like stroke it and make it work. You know what? I'm not going there for a date. I'm not trying to buy someone a dinner. I want a knob that I can turn. That doesn't sound good either. Um, I want a knob that I can turn or a rotating something for volume control at the very least. So we have this new Audi Allroad, right? That's and beautiful. It, it's beautiful that we're reviewing. Um, we just reviewed and it has a volume knob, but it doesn't have a tuning knob. So I was in the car with Tommy and I'm like, you know, you know how I like chill, which is 53. Yeah, right? or AM. AM, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. Anyway, so we're like on, uh, I don't know, like classic rewind, which I think is 25, right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I need to get the chill. And so the only way I could figure out how to do it was you're like, tick, 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 right? You're, you're pushing on that yep. little like fast forward little triangle, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like Tommy, is this a lot easier than actually you know, just having a tuning knob and going bloop? <laughs> yeah, which which plenty of cars do. And I, I agree, a tuning thing would be great. It. You know, sometimes you got to think about whether or not someone's just simply comfortable with doing it. And one thing that's really important, and automakers, I wish you would listen to this. Even though screen controls are a lot easier for you guys, being able to physically feel something and not take your eyes off the road for very long in order to make volume go up or make the stations change or whatever really is a bonus. So think about that. All right, and then let's end on this because we're done. Uh, to, give me something that, that you think should be standard on all vehicles uh, because it makes your life so much better. I'll give you the two, especially now that it's winter. Uh, I was driving back. I think heated steering wheel and heated seat should be on every car. That, to me, is just the, um, the epitome of comfort. When you get in a truck like I did yesterday and it was freezing outside mm-hmm. and then the seat turns on before you know the cabin warms up, it's so nice. And then you've wrapped your frozen fingers since you've been cleaning snow off that heated steering wheel. Oh, such a, such a wonderful invention. I'm glad, Princess, that you feel better about that. <laughs> Once so, again, comfort. <laughs> I want a picture of Halle Berry standard on every car I enter on the, the greeting screen. Uh, for those of you as, who as are... As Catwoman or just as herself? No, no, Catwoman, no. She looked terrible in that. Okay, I think right. as herself. Okay, all right. Um, like in a red carpet. Yeah. <laughs> One of those. I'm glad my wife does not listen or watch. So what do you think should be like... A standard? Yeah, that, that isn't, but that should be. You know, that's a luxury item, but that should be standard. You know, don't oh. say CD player. <laughs> I think we're finally done with that. I think Lex has finally stopped with doing Tape that. Tape deck? A track. <laughs> I, I, I do think that uh, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay should be standard in all vehicles. And nowadays, I think it should be wireless. 
It's 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 tech that's out there. It's everybody yeah, the, the has wire, even the wires a pain in the ass. Isn't yeah, it? and getting rid of the wires and yeah. also actually. The Qi or other uh, types yeah, of wireless, wireless charging. charging. Unfortunately, Conductive not all phones charging. do it. If you if you have like a big phone case like I do, it doesn't yeah. always work. But um, I really do think that Android Auto and, and Android, I, I, I just think that that should be standard. Uh, it's not even a luxury thing, but it's it's nice to have. Well, there you have it, guys. You've uh, squandered, wasted. Uh, now of I sound, time now I sound like you. car talk. Oh, can I end on one note? <laughs> oh, that's right. You got you got a uh, you got a note. You we got rarely fan, get letters. Uh, real we, mail. Get tons of, yeah, real you, mail. You got, so fan, real mail. You, you got fan snail mail. What yeah. you got, dude? So um, uh, this is titled. If you can, if you can't see this, it's haters gonna hate. Yeah. And this guy was responding to something I put out on social media because sometimes we get some really nasty comments. I tend to egg people on anyway. Um, but this guy just wrote this wonderful letter. Um, and it's just basically saying, hang in there. You guys are great. Which what's is what's his name? His name is Jonathan. No last name. Yeah, with C. Yeah. And he's from um, West Virginia. Thank you, Jonathan. That, that's kind of you to actually send a... Really, truly... A hater's going to hate, like, really yeah. nice fan and, mail card. And he also sent, which is really cool, these uh, Mitsubishi stickers, the Diamond Squad member, because I'm a Montero fan, and I get made fun of. By a lot of people, so he was really cool about it. So thank you very much. That was really, really cool. And thank you to our Patreon supporters. Uh, we try to answer all your emails. Sometimes we're not great at it, but we try. <laughs> we, we get a lot. <laughs> we try so hard. Hey, Roman, I wanted to mention something. Yeah. Do you want to go to the best cheeseburger you can ever go to? Oh, heck yeah. What, where is okay. it? It's, well, it's, it's in Santa Monica. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's called the Burger Lounge okay. in Santa Monica. Yeah. The, uh, the, you were there on your vacation? Yeah, yeah, I was there on my vacation. The assistant manager there is a big fan of TFL. Oh, cool. And the Shout the, out? Yeah, shout out. But more importantly, it's about the best cheeseburger I've ever had. <laughs> so I'm just going to throw it out there. What, that was what, free what, advertising. What makes it so good? The way they grill it, yeah. the burger itself, and the bun. Oh, my God, I'm getting so hungry now, and I'm not allowed to eat for another two hours. Um, is is just just done right. It, it reminds you of a burger at a really expensive restaurant, but it's not that expensive. So anyway, just throwing that out there. I've been watching the show on Netflix called Million Pound Menu. And basically, Million Pound, Pound Menu, yeah, they basically give like, my, you know, my background is in restaurants, right? So my folks had a restaurant, yeah. and I grew up in a restaurant. So they give like people who have food trucks or like, you know, concepts for restaurants, the ability to like open up a pop-up restaurant and then to get investors. Ooh, we should do that TFL restaurant. TFL restaurant, yeah. yeah you're not going to go Out of the that. pot, into the fire. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, it's so grueling, right? Because these poor people, you know, have these really interesting concepts, right, that I've never heard of mm -hmm. before that just sound, and one of them was, was I think it was called, um, uh, it was Black Bear Burger. So they, were, they said, uh, and then the, the, these investors are just like, they just tear them a new one. I feel so horrible about it. They're, right. like, they're like, oh, we can't do it. It's not on trend, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then I watch like Shark Tank and, and somebody walks in there and they, you know, 5% of my company for 500000 and I've had no sales. And, and they get, they get Sold. sold. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I, I don't get it's it. It's a rubber earring. Trust me, this will catch on. Oh, wow, million-dollar idea. Yeah, and so. somebody funds them. But, but these guys were grueling. You know, they make them cook like two full servings, and these people have never had restaurants. So they're, oh, yeah, I've got 60 customers. How do we, you know what? It's, it's, it's the most stressful thing. And the most stressful thing about it, this is hilarious, right? Uh -huh. So what they do is they, they give the investors like a 6 o'clock deadline to come in and offer them money to right. actually start up this restaurant. And so they, they, they put the camera on these people like at 5 o'clock and they're just sitting there staring at the door. <laughs> and you know the producers are like, you cannot come in until, until 10 exactly, seconds yeah. to 6. 
<laughs> right? And they're yep. just, you can just see the stress on their faces. And I'm like, oh, you've put these poor people through so much hell, especially in the restaurant. It's such a horrible, not a horrible, it's a wonderful business, but it's a terribly it's difficult business. It's a terribly difficult business. Why make it so stressful? You know, and then, you know, then the door doesn't open <laughs> and nobody comes in. And like, ah. This is why I love being an automotive journalist because, well, besides the fact that I'd be 350 pounds if I was a and it's, and it's British, so you know. Oh, it's British. Oh, oh yeah. then it's going to be harder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. They're, they're, well, thank you so much grueling. for joining us, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. Ciao. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.